Welcome to this message from Journey Church. Our hope is that you'd encounter God and His purpose for your journey. Be sure to visit us online at www.journeykc.com. I met Sean when he was about eight years old, leading a youth group. Now, uh, it, it's a privilege to be here. It really is. And, and uh, you know, um, as Pastor Sean said, I met, you know, we've known each other for years. I've known Pastor Aaron. Where'd Pastor Aaron go? He, he, oh, there he is. How could I miss that beard? You know, uh, Sean Landers. Met Sean. I think Sean was 12 years old when we met. Remember when you guys came up to Harlan and did worship for that Faith Life seminar we did? I think Sean was 12 years old then, right? I think he had to get written permission to travel with you guys or something like that. Where's Sean at? He's not sticking up for himself. So anyway, yeah, yeah. Getting some of that coffee, the equipping. I like that. You know, faith without coffee is dead. I'm full of faith. <laughs> so I was thinking about this um, early this morning when I was up um, about Journey Church. I, I'm, I'm just going to share a few things with you, so hang in there with me before I get into my message, okay? In the Bible, we have what's called the Torah. The Torah is the first five books, the Pentateuch of the Bible, okay? First five books of the Old Testament is called the Torah, now, what's interesting is that the original, in the original language, the, word, the original word for Torah is the journey. And then within the, the Torah, there is what was called the mitzvah or the teachings. And the original word for mitzvah was the path. So there's the journey, and within the journey, there is a path that you're God's calling you to take. So I was thinking about how maybe prophetic you all naming this church the journey is. But here's what I know. Every time I get to spend some time with Pastor Sean, he's always looking for the path. Not for himself, but for you. He's always wanting to make sure we're on the right path. So he's always asking me questions. Because that's his heart for you. And I'll tell you, that's, that's somewhat rare, too rare today in Christendom. In the minute, because I deal with pastors all the time. That's my life. I, I work with them. I, I mentor them. I help them. And, and, and it's sad to say this, and, I, and, it, and it, it somewhat inflicts my heart to say this, but many of them are looking for their path and not for your path. And so you need to be rest assured. It should bring peace to your soul that you have pastors that are always continually looking for the path for your life and how prophetic that is, that this place is called the journey. Now, don't change the name to Torah. Okay, that's not, you know, don't change the name to Torah. But anyway, I just wanted to share that with you because I think it's so important for you to... to to have that, to have that understanding that that's the type of pastors that you have here. And if you're new here, um, that's the type of leadership, not just Pastor Sean and Becca, but this whole leadership team. That's their heart. 
And so if you're new here, this is a place where you, it's, it's safe for you to be. Because they will spend and be spent for your lives. Okay? You all good with that? I know it's an early morning crowd. But you got to be a little bit more. I'm one of those guys that, you know, I like, talk back to me. Go, oh, yeah, that was good. That was a good buy. By the way, get your, get, your, get your phones out. Get your, you know, get them all out. Hold them up. Well, Joel Osteen says, hold your Bibles up. I don't. I said, hold your phones up. And, and get on there. Get on, get on, get on Twitter. Get on Instagram. Because I might just say something good this morning. See, this is our Roman roads. You know the reason that Christianity spread exponentially like it did the first 300 years of the church is because the Christians, the apostles, the early church fathers, the evangelists utilized the Roman road system to take the gospel to the known world. This is our Roman roads. This is what we use to take the gospel to the known world. I was up in Detroit teaching... um, uh, last fall, and, and uh, I was doing a leadership seminar and speaking at this church. And, and so we did something uh, that Saturday at the leadership uh, seminar that I was doing. And because of the crowd was there, I told them to get on Facebook. So that means they were all 45 and older. God loved me. The Bible says so. Um, but anyway, we got on there, and, and so I made a statement. I said, no, everybody put that on, on Facebook. And so an hour later, we checked. There was about 30 people there. So an hour later, we checked it, and it, it had gone out and been viewed by 700 people. And so at the end of the night, then we had a meal afterwards. So it was about three hours or so later. We went on the analytics and checked it. It had been viewed by about 1,200 people. So 30 people were able to reach out. And, and, and speak, so to say, to 1,200 people. See, that's, that's what this is. That's the advantage that this has for us. So use it, okay? Great. Let's get into uh, a little bit more serious note on what, we, what we're supposed to do today. You're in this series in Ephesians, all right? So if you would, turn to, with me to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read a portion of Scripture. Now, in a few weeks... Uh, Pastor Aaron is going to be speaking also along these portions of scriptures. I'm just, you know, when you go to a great concert, what happens? You know, you go to see the Bee Gees. <laughs> That'll take you back to, huh? Who are they? Yeah. <laughs> if you're under 45, you don't know who the Bee Gees are. But anyway, you know, when you go there and the concert starts at 7, they're not on the platform at 7. What happens? Some unknown band comes out and starts working the crowd, warming the crowd up. and They're they're called the opening act. See, I'm just kind of the opening act for Pastor Aaron. So in a couple of weeks, you're going to really get the good stuff. I'm just going to give you some, you know, some things today, kind of warm you up for Pastor Aaron. He's going to be the main, he's going to be the main band. All right. So you all good with that? You know it'll be good, don't you? Let me read to you Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 14, and it's going to be on the screen. This is from the Passion Translation. How many of you have been reading the Passions Translation? You all seen that? It's, it's really a good, I think, a good translation of the Bible. But anyway, let's begin to read through this, and we'll make some, 
make some more comments. Now finally, verse 10, now finally, my beloved ones, be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. I like that. Put on the full suit of armor that God wears when he goes into battle so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings. Really? No, that's not in there. I just threw that in there. But with the... But with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms, for they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so you'll be protected as you confront the slanderer. Listen to this. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. Put on truth as a belt to strengthen you to stand in triumph. Put on holiness as the protective armor that covers your heart. Now, what's interesting about the book of Ephesians is that most scholars, biblical scholars, would tell you that the the book of Ephesians is the parallel book to the book of Joshua. So Ephesians is the New Testament book of Joshua. And so for the last probably month or so, God has had me in the book of Joshua. And I was kind of wondering why. I was like, okay, Lord, you know, I try to go over and read some other things. You know, I have my daily reading and I'm over and over there. And it's like, no, I want you to go back over. So I've been reading through the book of Joshua. Well, then Pastor Sean and I started talking. He says, hey, we're in this series of Ephesians. I'd like to have you come in and speak and everything. And then it was like, being, well, no wonder. Because the book of Joshua parallels so many things about the book of Ephesians. The theme of both the books is about a people who want to possess the promises of God. And to do so, it takes strength and courage. In today's world, in today's culture, to walk out the journey, to walk in the journey on the path, it's going to take strength and courage. Everybody say strength and courage. Say it again, strength and courage. That's really what it's going to take. See, Joshua contended with the physical adversaries. In the book of Ephesians, Paul's saying, it's not natural thing, it's spiritual adversaries that we are contending with. See, Joshua had to contend with all the ites, okay? The Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, he had, to, he had to deal with all the ites. We have to deal with, contend with all the isms, you know, secularism, all right, consumerism, socialism, racism. We have to deal with all the isms today. Joshua had his ites, we have our isms. But what God is endeavoring to do is to equip us so that we can contend day by day with all the things that the adversary is throwing at us. You know, it was something that was interesting when I was reading the book of Joshua. In Joshua chapter 12, it lists a little bit about the uh, Moses' adversaries. Then it goes in to talk about uh, uh, Joshua and all the ites. And then it names these rulers of all the ites that Joshua had to defeat. You know how many there were? Thirty-one. 31 rulers of the ites. And so I'm reading that. It's like, it's like the, 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 the spirit of the Lord spoke to me. He said, 
How many days are in the average month? 31. He said, you need to realize that every day there is some entity that's trying to take rule of your life. And that's the reason you need to be equipped with strength and courage so that you can combat, and just like Joshua did, you can defeat all the isms and the ites that are trying to come into your life. 31 days out of the month, 31 rulers, adversaries that were contending. We never forget that. See, we're living in a time in the day and the age that we're in where the social reengineering of our culture is pressuring us to domesticate the gospel and Christianity. What do I mean by that? It's to, make the, to domesticate means, means to make more acceptable. Do you, do you see that? I see it almost, if not daily, weekly, something being said, something being done that's trying to get us to domesticate the gospel, to make the gospel more acceptable. The only problem with that is Jesus said this in Luke 12, 51. He said, don't think for a moment that I came to grant peace and harmony to everyone. No, for my coming will change everything and create hostility among you. Wow. Jesus said that. He said, if you're going to truly follow me, he said, it's going to create some hostility. That doesn't sound like domestication to me. It sounds like there's going to be challenges for us as we really walk out. And so it's so subtle. The social reengineering of our culture is so subtle. It makes it sound good. But as Leonard Ravenhill said, you got to be careful of the good because many times the good can keep you out of the best. Oh, that's worth it. Right, right there. Careful of the good because it'll keep you out of the best. Okay? I like what William Ng, who is a former professor at, Divinity, at uh, the Divinity School at Cambridge, says this. He said, he who marries the spirit of the age will soon become a widow. Ooh, that's good. We have to be careful of those things. See, there's a militant conquest being waged for the heart and soul of Christianity right now. And in the church world, if you choose comfort over courage, your days of relevance are numbered. Let me say that again. Look at this. In the church world, if you choose comfort over courage... Your days of relevance are numbered. See, that's what domestication is about. Let's, let's have a comfortable Christianity. Well, you know, I found out that Christianity is not comfortable. You know, I, I, I love God with all my heart, strength, mind, and soul. But there's some things I don't like about God. <gasps> Why is that? Because of the demands he puts on my life. There's just some things I don't like. Well, well, why are you doing that? Why do you want that from me? Dear Lord. You know what it is? Because he wants the best. He wants the best for me. Because of that, he's putting some demands on me. And I've found that the only way that I can fulfill those demands is through strength and courage and faith and trust. You know, Paul starts this letter... um, 
with sending this letter with Tychicus, um, who he defines, trying to tell Pastor Sean this last night, and I couldn't remember the, the first one, just... It's bugging me all night. I don't know why I didn't just look it up, but it was, I'd laid there half the night thinking, because I wanted to remember it instead of having to go back and look. You know, Jack, I heard Jack Hayford one time says, I don't have Alzheimer's. I just have sometimers. Sometimes I just can't remember. But Paul sent this letter. This is one of Paul's prison letters, by the way. We're all, Paul wrote this letter to, the, to the, the Ephesian, not just the Ephesian church, but the churches surrounding in the area of Ephesus. And he sent this letter to them through his, his friend Tychicus, who he calls a trusted messenger, a faithful preacher, and a loyal friend. You know, I think that's what God wants us to be, trusted messengers, faithful preachers, and a loyal friend. That, that's, that, I was thinking that's, that defines this man right here. He's a trusted messenger. He's a faithful preacher. I listened to some of the podcasts. He does good. But you know what he's been? He's been a loyal friend. What, what greater things could be said about us in, in today than those things? And is that who you are? Is that who you are? Are you, are you someone who could be trusted and someone who's, who's faithful and someone who's loyal? Those are the things that I think God is calling us unto. So um, let's, let's break this down a little bit more. Let's go back into Ephesians and look at these scriptures. Beginning of verse 10 says, Now finally... My beloved ones, we supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the fourth force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. I still like the sound of that. Verse 11, put on the full suit of armor that God wears when he goes into battle so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accusers. Earlier this year, I, I, I read this book called The Artisan Soul by Erwin McManus. And in this book, he said this. He says, what we wear is an extension of who we are. What we wear is an extension of who we are, or at least who we want to be perceived to be. So, you know, I've got, I got me a t-shirt. Actually, I got me two t-shirts. I found out where the storeroom was this morning. See, I got me this T-shirt. What is it? It's, it's, see, now I am a bona fide part of the Journey KC team. Been bona fide, been inducted. I haven't been baptized into it yet, but, you know, the day's not over. It might, that might happen, you know. But so, so when I put this on, or if you look around the room, you see, I saw people running around this morning with these, these T-shirts on. What is it? It's, it's what we wear is an extension of who we are. It tells you that this person has his T-shirt on, is connected some way to, to a, a commitment to this journey and this path that God has for you. And so you put, you put that on, and what? it identifies you, you know? And so um, I'm going to take that home with me. So I had this T-shirt because the title of my message today is I Will Fight. See, and I even got camoed for all you men. 
You like that? Camo, that good? Not cool? So anyway, that's really what I want to talk to you about today is, are you willing to fight? Are you willing to fight for what Jesus laid his life down for? Are you willing to fight in today's culture? Are you willing to fight against the isms and the ites that are coming against you? Because to do so, it takes strength and courage to do that. We must be a people of strength and courage. Verse 12. Well, let me, let me back up and say this. What we wear is an extension of who we are. What, what, what are we known as day by day? What is it that we wear that people see? Humility. I think that's something good to wear, is humility. You know, a number of years ago, I was driving, and this is when I was still on staff of the church in St. Louis. I was driving into the office, and I was crossing the Missouri River in what's called the Boone Bridge. Some of you may, may know the Boone Bridge. All of a sudden, the Lord asked me a question. I felt like, you know, when I say that and some people don't understand, it's like, that's what I sensed, okay, that, that God was asking me this question. He says, what is it that a man possess, possesses that can sustain the weight of my glory? Now, here's what I've learned about God. When he asks you a question, he's really not looking for an answer. He's a lot like Linda Saunders. You all know Pastor Linda? She used to work when we were on staff all together. She'd come into my office and answer, ask me a question. Before I could even open my mouth, she was telling me the answer to her question. So I always joke with her about that. So if she listens to this, I wanted to throw that in. But I knew enough to know that if God was asking me a question, here's what I've learned. To be quiet and listen because he's about to give you the answer. So he says, what is it that's, that a man can possess that can sustain the weight of my glory on him. And he says, it's humility. Humility is the only strength that can sustain the weight of the glory of God upon a man. And most, and, it, and, and so it took me down this, this journey of, of recounting of individuals that I knew of or I had heard of that had fell. In their position. And you know what it came back to? They got out from humility. They got egotistical and arrogant. And egotism and arrogance cannot sustain the weight of the glory of God upon a man. And so what happens is it crushes them. Crushes their character. Character goes away. All of those things. So humility is one of the things that we should be adorned with. Love. I think love is one of the things that we should should possess in our lives that we should be known as a people who love. Love people through difficult times. Love people through challenges. Love people through their honoriness. Love people through their mistakes. Dear Lord, we've made them all, right? Anybody that's made a mistake, raise your hand. Those of you that didn't raise your hand, come up here, we want to baptize you. Thank God there were people in my life that loved me through my mistakes. Their love was a strength. 
Love is a strength. Love is a, is a supernatural strength. You all, I think you all know my story. You know, um, uh, eight years ago, when my wife of 33 years passed away unexpectedly, you know what one of the greatest things that got me through that was the love of people that came around me. And their love become a sustaining strength to me. A supernatural strength. Because I didn't have the strength to walk through that. See, there are some things that, that you can't do by yourself. It takes a community. The strength and the courage in a community is so, it's, it's so exponential. It's, it's, it's vast. And it's, that's the reason we need community. That's the reason you need to be connected to this journey. Why? Because there is a strength and courage that is found here that you will never experience on your own. And there are going to be times, if you haven't yet, there are going to be times where you need that strength and you need that courage. It's so important. The other thing is wisdom. I think we should be known as a people of wisdom. I really do. Because the world is looking for wisdom. They're not looking for cutesy answers. They're not looking for kitsch. They're not, you know, they're looking for answers. We need some answers. I, I, I like what, what Elie Wiesel, any of you ever read like Night? And Elie Wiesel was a, a, a survivor of the Holocaust. A great rabbinical, prophetic rabbinical voice. An amazing man, passed away just a few years ago. He said this. He said, we have learned from history that people are united by questions. It's the answers that divide us. I live in St. Louis. It is a very divided city right now. Very divided. A lot of isms are ruling in St. Louis. We need a voice of wisdom to rise up. We need people of wisdom. Next month, I'm going to be speaking to about 25 or 30. I've been asked to speak to, it's about 25 or 30 inner city pastors on the subject of preaching in today's culture. One of the things I'm going to talk to them about is a day, today's a day that we need to have conversations and not comments. We need to be people of wisdom who can sit down and have conversations with people. Maybe people who are living diametric to us. Maybe people who are, who are believing diametrically to, to the way that we believe. But, but we got to get away from being a culture of just comments and start having some conversations. And those conversations are need to be coming from people of wisdom. Okay. Verse 13 says, because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so you're protected as you confront the slander, for you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. He said, you need to be protected from the slanderer. That's probably one of our biggest challenges, again, in our culture is the slanderer. The slander. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, and maybe I'm, I'm sure somebody's taught on this previously in the series, possibly. It says, 
that verse says, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. That word devil there, diabolos, is the slanderer. How many married couples do I have? You ever have a fight? No fights. Oh, my gosh. I am standing on holy ground. Again, all you couples, come up here. We're going to baptize you. You know, I've had some, my wife and I have had some differences. And here's typically what happens. We have a, we have a king-sized bed. This huge king-sized bed. So I, I'm over here on, on, on my, used to be eight inches. Now it takes about 12 inches. My side of the bed. And, and she's over here on, on her six inches because she's a little bit thinner than me. And then we have this gulf of mattress between us. She's facing one direction. I'm facing the other. And I'm laying there and all of a sudden I'm, I start getting thoughts like, she's so self-centered. She's, all she thinks about is herself. She doesn't really love me. She loves herself more than she loves me. What a cad. Man, that woman's mean. She's mean. She's mean. She just loves to be mean. She didn't care about me. What is that? That's the slanderer. He's starting to paint this slanderous ideology of who my wife is. It is opposite of who she really is. And that's what the enemy does. And that's one of the things that even in a community you start having differences. And all of a sudden, you know, Pastor Sean says something or Pastor Sean doesn't do something that you want him to do. That's probably the reason he didn't do it is because it's not really for the betterment for you. But he's probably trying to lead you down a path that's something better. And you don't, all of a sudden what happens? You say, well, he didn't care about me. He didn't have time for me. What is that? That's the slander. What is he trying to do? He's trying to bring division, division, and chaos, and all of that stuff. You know, it says to be angry and sin not. It says to be angry and sin not. How can we be angry and sin not? Is when we don't give, let that anger have a place for us and we forgive. We be quick to forgive and release it. I was trying to find out if there was an actually a chronological connection to the be angry and sin not. It's like, you know, it said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And I was like, oh, man, I got, I got four hours and 47 minutes. You know, you get on your app and it tells you sundown is at this time. Oh, all right, hallelujah. I got whatever. no. That's not the approach God's trying to give, you know. Don't, don't wait until the end. Be quick to forgive. Because guess what? Jesus is quick to forgive us. See, that's a strength to have in your life, to be quick to forgive. To be quick to forgive. Do you, can you imagine God saying, come to him, Lord, I missed it. I want you to forgive me. He said, Mike, there's four hours and 47 minutes till sundown. Let's talk at that time. What would you think? What? 
Why? Well, why do we do that to people? Why don't we be quick to forgive? That's how we can stay on the path together. That's how we can fulfill this journey together, is to be quick to forgive. I like living with peace in my life. I don't know about you. I like peace. I don't like chaos. I don't allow chaos and strife and division into the culture of my home. So you ought to be a people who contend for peace. Careful. (laughs) In this house. In this family. Amen. Because you know, if you do, all of a sudden, you will become an illumination that begins to attract people. Say, man, when I walk in there, there's peace in that house. There's peace in that house. There's safety in that house. Okay? Let's go on. We'll finish up here. Verse 14 says, put on truth as a belt to strengthen you, to stand in triumph. Put on holiness as protective armor that covers your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says this. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. We have to be intentional about the condition of our heart. We really do. It isn't just going to happen. Having a good, healthy heart in the natural isn't just going to happen. It is the result of intention. Having a good, healthy heart spiritually also is the result of intention. Being intentional about the way you're living. Being into, you know, <laughs> I was working with a pastor the other day. And I said to him, his, him and his wife were having some challenges in their marriage. Those are the kinds of calls I get a lot. Hey, Pastor Mike, you know, it's never, hey, could you come in and, and you know, do some preemptive work for us? No, it's always the post stuff kind of calls that I get. That, and by the way, that's not the calls I get from Pastor Sean. It's the calls I get from Becca, but not from Pastor Sean. <laughs> And I said this to him. I said, what kind of conversations are you having in your heart about your wife? Because those are the conversations that you, the conversations that you have in your heart are the foundation or the genesis of the, or the conversations that you'll have with your wife. So Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Solomon and the writer of Proverbs is saying, you got to guard your heart. You got to make sure you're having the right kinds of conversations in your heart. You got to be careful of the things that you let into your heart. I say it this way, what is the traffic that you're allowing to run through the middle of your heart? So if you, if you come to St. Louis, which I'm sure many of you have, there's Interstate 270. It's one of the main interstates that runs all the way through St. Louis. And so it's, it's kind of like, you know, with the interstate, 
that runs through our heart? What traffic are we letting on that pathway through our heart? See, to contend with some of these things, I go back to this. I can't say this enough. Is that you're going to have to fight, but it's, it's not a natural fight. It's a spiritual fight, and it takes strength and courage to fight these spiritual battles. It takes strength and courage to stand and say, no, I will not do that. I will not think that way. I'll not act that way. That's not who I am. That's not who God's called me to be. I don't care what the culture is doing. If I have to be abnormal, I'll be abnormal and be happy about it. We've been called to be unique anyway. This isn't in my notes. Let me, let me see if I can find it. Over in the, in, the, in the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? If it, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. He said, you are the salt of the earth. So I was asking a friend of mine a number of years ago who was, who was a chemist and all that. I said, what's the thing with salt? And he said, salt is an influencer. He said, whenever salt touches some, comes in contact with, he said, it begins to influence the chemical makeup of whatever it comes in contact. So you put salt on your meat, what happens? It begins to influence the chemical makeup of the meat and begins to transform it. And when he said that, I immediately, immediately began to understand this scripture with new eyes. See, we've been called to be salt. We've been called what? To be influencers of transformation. That's why Paul is talking here about equipping, that we would be equipped. Why? So that we could become agents of transformation. He said, now, he said, um, but if salt has lost its taste, that word taste means having distinctive, interesting, or stimulating qualities. Let me say that again. It means having distinctive, interesting, or stimulating qualities. See, we're, we're called to be distinctive, unique, abnormal, if you will. We're, we're called to be interesting people. Not boring people. You know, I tell people, you know, before Christ, many of you, you go out and paint the town red, so to speak. And then you got saved, you come to Christ, and now you paint the town beige. You're boring. Not you. You're not boring. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're boring. I'm not boring. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Well, there should be something interesting about us. You know, I travel all the time. I, I, I fly a lot, way too much. And, and, and it's, it's inevitable I'll get into a conversation with somebody. And I don't ever tell them I'm a preacher. 
Because right away, then you got to overcome all of the, once their defense mechanism goes up, oh, he's going to try to get me baptized on the plane. You know, if you read the latest article about water on an airplane, how contaminated it is, I'd never baptize anybody with water off an airplane. They'd be more contaminated than previously in their sin. But what I do is I try to find a something to pique their interest. And then once they begin to get interested, and then they'll say, what do you do? I'll say, well, this is what I do. You know what their response always is? That's interesting. What is it? See, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find something I can connect with them to be interesting. And then it says that we're to be a, 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 a people that are stimulating is your life stimulating other people? What a catalyst. A catalyst to, to draw them closer to Christ, to pique them, their interest, to get them to think about maybe, maybe this Christianity isn't what I thought it was. See, this is all a part of why we need to be equipped so that we can be those types of people. So that we can be that representative of the kingdom of God in such a manner and way in the world. I'm going to close with this statement. There's a major shift that's happening in the world today. Anybody feel it? Since it, things are changing, aren't they? You know? It's the old, the times they are changing. I know it may sound cliche-ish, but nevertheless, it's truth. It's just, it's a different world that we're living in, right? You know, I've lived long enough to, to walk through. I've walked with Jesus almost 40 years. And in that 40 years, I've seen some major changes, some major transitions that have happened. But I'll tell you from what I'm feeling now, I, I don't know if, it, if it's ever been at this, uh, an epic of shift that's happening in our culture today. But here's what I do know. There is a Christianity that is exploding on the scene of, of, of this consumerism that is marked by how much we love and how much we give in light of how deeply we've been loved and how much we've been given. This is who we're becoming. This is, this is where we're walking into. And it's going to take strength and courage to be people that love in this way, in this manner, and in this depth. And a people who will give in this manner and in this depth. I have the privilege of working with a lot of 20 and 30-year-olds that are either entering ministry, taking their first leadership position, or planting churches. And one of the things, one of the first things I talk to them about is the call of God. Because I told them, I said, if, if you're not doing this, if you're doing this for a position and a title, you won't last. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it in this climate. I'm just telling you. But if you're responding to the call of God, and every one of us have a call of God, there is a calling of heaven for your life. It's not just, oh, they're in ministry, so they have a call. No, there is a calling on every one of your lives. 
God is calling to you. And it is that calling that will compel you to make the sacrifices that it will demand that you make. I told Pastor Sean this last night. I said, you don't know how many times I've quit the ministry, but I've never quit the calling. I've quit the ministry many times. Worship team, why don't you guys come on? But I've never quit the calling. The calling of God. The path of God. And two things that I can come back to that I was willing, that, that, that really caused me to be willing was the strength and the courage to do it. Sometimes I didn't even understand. I didn't know why. But it was strength, the strength and courage to keep pursuing the call of God. To never leave. To never quit. See, on the way over here, I was talking to a pastor. We were talking about some things, and he said something about plan B, and I said, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait back up. Because it, it, in the call of God, in, in the life living for Jesus, there is no plan B. See, Judas had a plan B. How'd that work out? Priscilla, or excuse me, Ananias and Sapphira. had a plan B. How'd that work out for them? It didn't. See, in the kingdom of God, in this life living with Christ, there is no plan B. It's only plan A. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm not turning back. I'm only going forward. Amen? Only going forward. Stand with me this morning. Lord, thank you for the privilege of standing before these people. Understanding the responsibility. Of being compelled, God. Compelled to help them in some way that they would take the step forward, that they would keep running the race well, that they would not quit. But they would determine in their lives, maybe there's some here that are just kind of wavering and saying, does this whole thing even work? This Christianity thing, this following Jesus thing. Lord, I pray that in this house today, you would release your strength and courage into their hearts that would give them the compulsion that would catch their hearts. Say, I may not understand, but I know one thing. Even as, as the disciples said, Lord, we may not understand all of this of why you're doing the things and what the reason the things turned out, but, but where else are we going to go because you're the answer? 
my prayer is that we'd be so captivated in their hearts that they say we're not going anywhere else because Jesus, you are the answer. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information about Journey Church or to browse our media library, visit us online at journeykc.com.